It's Andy Griffith Show time on Winsenberg on the weekend. Mike Newell is here. Bill Jones is sticking around because they both love the Andy That's Griffith right. Show. I just love his hair. <laughs> and uh, Jim Clark is with us by phone from Tennessee. Jim is the author of Aunt Bee's Delightful Desserts, another bestseller dealing with the Andy Griffith Show. And Jim Clark, welcome to WHO. Yes, good morning. Uh, it's amazing the success of these books, isn't it, Jim? Well, I think it's all testimony for the... Uh the superb uh, production of the Andy Griffith Show and how, how well they put it together and how uh, what outstanding entertainment it is. Now, you you uh, co-authored that first recipe book that came out, right? Right, Andy B's Mayberry Cookbook, which, which was a complete cookbook of everything from appetizers through desserts. And uh, we thought, well, that one that went over pretty well. I thought, well, what was Andy B's real specialty? We thought, well, her hallmark really was desserts. So I have not a book of just nothing but great desserts. Jim, Mike Newell here. You're one of those guys who has become, in his life, totally consumed with the Andy Griffith show phenomena. How, how did that happen? How did you get? How did it get so much in your, in your, in, in your blood system, as it will, that, uh, as it were, that, uh, that, that, that you've uh, come up with such a thing? Well, uh, I was born the year the show started, and I was born in North Carolina, about 50 miles from where Mayberry oh. is supposed to be, mm-hmm. and I uh, just always loved the show, and then uh, came to. To Nashville, Tennessee, to go, to go to college, and found some other folks there. We who liked the show also. We said, well, "How about let's, since we're watching the show every day, we might as well call ourselves something. So let's have a club, and call it something." And next thing we knew, other people we found around campus, and then around Nashville, and then throughout Middle Tennessee, and it just kind of snowballed from there. We found people all across the country who who love the show as much as we did. Everybody has a an Andy Griffith show favorite character. Who's yours? Oh, that's real tough. I always try right to hedge on that because it's kind of like picking a favorite family member. You like them all in different ways. And uh, but you know, Mayberry wouldn't be Mayberry without Andy. I don't think. I think uh, the character Barney Fife is probably huh. the funniest character ever on TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then you got Floyd the Barber, and you go down the list: Goober, Gomer, you know, the Darling Family, Opie. And you know, they're all such great characters. I think that's what why the show is so strong. Is it had such great characters and relationships, and the right. Of course, they're terrific actors. And, uh, Jim, let me let me let's have a philosophical discussion for a moment because I'm a college professor and I love to think this way. Okay. You said Mayberry wouldn't be Mayberry without Andy, and I don't agree with that. I I think when Barney left, the show went down a notch. Well, I, I agree. And I think when when Andy left and they continued it with Mayberry RFD, it didn't seem a whole heck of a lot different than when Andy was around. I, I don't I, think I think Andy was more of a facilitator. Yeah, I think, I think I think that's true. And he, and he was kind of the, the rock, and they were, all the crazy characters kind of did things around him. And he was kind of the one who uh, let things happen and kind of kept some semblance of uh, order. And he, in a lot of ways, he was kind of the, the same viewpoint as the audience. I mean, he was looking at Mayberry the same way that we do. I think. And, bingo, um, bingo. It's in. If you were a drama professor, Jim, you would you would uh, identify this as ensemble mm-hmm. because he is the hub of the wheel and all the spokes. Uh, the Floyd, the Barbers, the Howard Sprague's, the Gomers, Goobers, Barneys, Aunt Bees, Opies, they all relate sooner or later to the hub. And I think that you hit the nail on the head when you say that uh, they all relate to him sooner or later because he is the point of view of the audience. You know, there was a great, uh, in the early going of the uh, Andy Griffith show, he did not want to be Will Stockdale. Right, so they, they they kind of had written it for him to be that way. Then, then they realized they had Don Knotts playing Barney, and Andy quickly realized, well, no, Barney's the one that needs to be funny. I need to be the straight man. So they kind of evolved. His sure, the comic uh, relief came from mm-hmm. Barney, and he became the superstar of the show, a bigger show than the guy whose name was on the front door, Andy Griffith. But Andy made it clear 
he did not want a continuation of No Time for Sergeants where he was the country rube Will Stockdale. He didn't want any part of that, and the producer, Sheldon Leonard, wanted very much for him to be exactly that, and mm-hmm. boy, was he lucky that uh, Don Knotts came along to take that comic relief a, a notch. But what's really funny, though, is if you watch the pilot on the Danny Thomas show, mm-hmm. where Danny Thomas drives through town with his family and Andy Griffith stops him, we watched that in my sitcoms mm-hmm. class in college. Uh, when you watch that, the kids are shocked by the fact that Andy is this cheating, schemer, hick, yes. hick southern country boy. Nothing like what the character evolved to, the very you know clean-cut, right. uh, upstanding citizen. Andy, when he was in the pilot episode of the Danny Thomas show, really was uh, kind of scheming. And he was the mayor. He was the justice of the right. peace. He was, he was not the sheriff, technically. And he wasn't fair. He and was, he was the publisher. He was just there to get money. And yeah, he, he was, was there ama- to put him in jail so he so could get money. So an amazing changes of character from the initial concept. Although, in Andy's defense, though, in that pilot, though, even though he did kind of give uh, Danny Thomas's character, Danny Williams, a bigger fine since he knew that Danny could afford it, he did it so that, it, as he told Danny, uh, so he would feel the weight of the law a little more, because, you know, $10 to some folks is a lot of money, but to Danny it wasn't, so he realized he needed yeah. to raise the fine in order for Danny to feel the, the, the severity of what he had done. So I think that there was, there was still justice there. It was just kind of a different version uh, uh, of justice. Uh, <laughs> Jim, this is Bill Jones, and I have a quick question about uh, Andy's smoking habits upon the show in the early uh, mm-hmm. early part of the series. Exactly why did he stop smoking? Was it uh, he, he just didn't quit and smoked off set, or what? Well, I think uh, uh, part of it was just, I think, as they, uh, there, there were a couple years there, even the first season he didn't smoke that much. It's mostly during the second and third, and I guess maybe part of the fourth season that he smoked, but... Uh, I think they did it because uh, in North Carolina, it was, it, being a big tobacco state, it was it was a natural thing, and it was it was natural for Andy since he did smoke. So I think they figured that was uh, it was it was, a, it was a realistic thing for him to do, uh, and and that was one of their always one of their goals on the show was to make things as realistic and believable as possible. Um, so I think that was done for more than anything else. Just it was it was a natural part of, of Andy Griffith and uh, for our town being set in North Carolina, you know, uh, tobacco was a was everywhere so uh but i think again as as for, for the same reason they kind of dropped the the otis campbell character the town drunk in later years i think they they started to become more sensitive to that in the later years and they, and they realized it wasn't really necessary to have him smoking all the time so i think they kind of phased it out i always had him smoking on the front porch on, mm-hmm. on the swing <laughs> uh, um yeah there there are a couple things where the the program grew up i think uh at a couple different levels and and um, there was always a morality play uh, Opie uh, and his relationship with with the whole town and mm-hmm. and and Barney's comeuppance. Um, uh, how many different times? How many different ways? That was a main staple of it. I, I like your uh, cookbook here, and I like the Aunt Bee's delightful desserts. My favorite character is Floyd the barber, and just for those who are interested in Floyd, uh, they have Floyd and Al's banana pudding. Floyd's cabin fever banana cake. Oh, that's, Floyd's that is so nice. <laughs> Floyd's English triffle. Floyd's mocha frosting. Mocha frosting. Uh, Floyd's punch in the mouth. Floyd's shaving cream and cherry yum yum. And <laughs> every character's got a couple entries in here. This is really yeah. these are real recipes, though, aren't they? Right. In fact, the, the trifle recipe you mentioned is from um, uh, Howard Nair's family, the, the actor who played uh, huh. Floyd the barber. Really. So, in fact, there are about six dozen recipes from the cast and crew of the show in there. We tried to make it as authentic as we could, asking them to send their favorite recipes or ones they thought would be appropriate for their character. A trifle as a 
posed with trouble. Let's <laughs> yeah. We're talking with Jim Clark, the author of Aunt Bee's Delightful Desserts. Hi, Andy. Hi, That's cool. Mike Newell brought these things in. That's called We Love Barney Five. Where did you get that? Oh, here and there. <laughs> Mike has this whole packet of Andy Griffith stuff. He is an, a Mayberry holic. And Jim Clark, I bet you collect those kind of things too, don't you? Yeah, over the years I've collected quite a few things. In fact, there's, there have probably been about at least two dozen parody songs like that that have been done about Mayberry. It's, it's hmm. funny. It really inspires a lot of people. Jim Clark is the author of Aunt Bee's Delightful Desserts, and Bill Jones is here, and he wants to ask about one of his favorite characters. Well, Bill, you know, I've got a question about my good buddy Barney. Yeah. I know you probably had an opportunity to meet him. How much like his character was he in real life? Well, actually, uh, also, speaking of Floyd earlier, the people on the show said he was most like his character. Of all the actors on the show, Howard McNair was most like Floyd of, of any other actors. He was just a dead, dead ringer on and off camera. Uh, <laughs> God, I love it. I'm so glad to hear that. Yeah, and Don Knott, on the other hand, is exactly the opposite of Barney Five. He is uh, extremely uh, quiet, almost shy in a lot of ways until he gets to know people around him. Um, but, you know, very thoughtful man, very, um, you know, not intellectual necessarily. <laughs> he's much different than Barney, who's always, you know. Now he was, he was there this summer at your big summer get-together, right? Right. Uh, we had a, the Mayberry Squad Car Rendezvous up in Ohio where a fellow built a replica of Wally's filling station where, where Gomer and Goober worked. And, and Don Knotts, along with uh, Ronnie Shaw, who was uh, Duke Slater on, on Gomer Pile, and also Arlene Galanka, who was on Mayberry RFD, as Millie, uh, were there. Uh, he does a lot of the events that, we, that our uh, uh, club sponsors over the years. He's probably done, I guess, maybe a dozen different reunions and Mayberry events, and it's always, of course, a huge hit. And he has his own show he does, anything with Don Knotts that he travels around with and does does that and always sells out. Uh, Jim, uh, there are two organizations which uh, serve as fan clubs for the Andy Griffith Show. The Andy Griffith Show Rerun Watchers Club, mm-hmm. and then the Andy Griffith Show Appreciation Society, is it? And well, actually, uh, the, you're with the Rerun Watchers Club. Yeah, the Appreciation Society... Uh, Quit operating about five or six years ago. Okay. It's, it's, we're, now there's just the, the Rerun Watchers Club, we're, and we're still going strong nationwide, or actually worldwide, about 20 international chapters of the club. But uh, how, many, about, how many national chapters are there? Uh, about 900 and oh, some. I've, I've lost 150, I think we're up to about How now. many members would you figure, Jim? Uh, approximately 20,000 who either subscribe to our newsletter or else are members of the chapters. And the chapters are named after episodes of the show and uh, different things in the show, right? Well, it's funny. It started out with just character names, like Andy Chapter, Barney Chapter, Aunt B, Opie, that kind of thing, Goober. And, and then people started using more the common little bits of dialogue and phrases, like Goober says, hey, or nip in the butt, or it's me, it's me, it's Ernest T, and things that were mentioned a lot on the show. And, of course, quickly ran through a lot of those, and now we're getting some pretty obscure kind of one-time little references on, on the show and little uh, bits of dialogue that you you know, really, really obscure, which is kind of fun to see what people come up with. Well, your newsletter is called The Bullet, mm-hmm. and anybody who watches The Andy Griffith Show knows that they're talking about the sole and single bullet that was stored in the shirt pocket of one Barney Fife. This right. The bullet mm-hmm. <laughs> um, my, my, my favorite number two character next to Floyd is Howard Sprague, yeah. who came on mm. later in the series, and mm. you have Howard Sprague's Bachelor Pad Punch. Mm-hmm. Now, just for the listeners out there, <laughs> Howard Mike, was Mike's the atti- automatically drawn to those drinks. Do you notice that? <laughs> now, if, if you watch Andy Griffith, he was the eternal bachelor. I mean, this guy couldn't, well, at any rate, uh, it's one packet of cherry Kool-Aid, one packet of strawberry Kool-Aid, two cups of sugar, two quarts of cold water, one six-ounce can of frozen orange juice, one six-ounce can of frozen lemonade, one quart of ginger ale, and you've got Howard's bachelor pad punch. <laughs> Where did you come up with that one, Jim? That was, I forget who gave that one, that one to us. It's from one of our club members, I think, sent it in to us. And, uh, Janine Johnson? Yeah, yeah. Down in, she's in our OP chapter down in Orlando. And, uh, 
So, so <laughs> most of these recipes are sent in from chapter members. Uh, I guess about 350. I think um, most of them are from either great cooks we knew all across the country, but a lot, hmm. lot of them are from fan club people. But then again, about six dozen are from the cast and crew. Again, most of them aren't, uh, aren't quite this... Uh, pre-packages that particular beverage recipe. Most of them are actually you know, more from scratch kind of recipes. You know, I think it's important to know why he was Bachelor <laughs> the entire show. And he might be this way in true in real life. He was the epitome of what is anal retentive. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think that was, of course, on the show they played up the first, at least the first season he was on, you know, that he was really kind of still tied to his mother's apron strings and, uh, uh, but they, after a while, they got they, they married his mother remarried and they moved her away from Mayberry. He kind of loosened up a little bit, and uh, in fact, was even was even engaged at one point uh, to Millie over at the bakery. And then uh, one of the classic episodes is when the men's club uh, in 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 Mayberry uh, he wanted to become a member, and his mother w- wanted mm-hmm. to attend the meetings uh, or was holding him back. But Aunt P, uh, Aunt P, we've got here now with uh, delightful desserts. She could never do pickles, could she? That was the one thing she couldn't do. In fact, in our first cookbook, we had her, we had her recipe for kerosene cucumbers, as Barney called them. But, uh, but believe it or not, there is there is a pickle recipe in dessert book. Even there's watermelon rind pickles uh, that are actually very good. We, we figured Aunt B couldn't do a cookbook with at least one pickle recipe, so we stuck one in here too. She died six years ago, uh, or thereabouts, six or seven years ago, I believe it is. But she was really tied in to that character. I mean, it was her. Although she's a very uh, uh, Francis Bavier, a uh, very accomplished actor. It was, it was the role that she locked into more than any of the others, wasn't it? Well, I think so. In fact, uh, she even moved in her retirement years to Salar City, North Carolina. Which she always heard Andy talk about how great North Carolina was, and she'd heard Salar City mentioned on the show. And she was there for a garden show one time, making a public appearance, and, and fell in love with the town and, and retired there. And uh, that's strange. Still, kind of carried on as Aunt B. She wanted to be, be remembered as Aunt B. She wouldn't allow herself to be photographed very much in later years because she wanted people to remember as Aunt B. As Aunt B. I she heard she died with like uh, 12 cats living with her. Uh, at least, yeah. They were in the will. Yeah. And her uh, 1960 Studebaker Lark or something hmm. like that was sold an auction for $20,000. <laughs> Wow. Oh, I gotta ask. I have to ask about somebody, and that's because I have a personal interest. Goober. Yeah. Uh, sorry, but I interviewed him last November on my show, mm-hmm. and I have never had a more rude celebrity interviewee in my life. Really? Uh, he was extremely rude. Uh, I, I was never more disappointed. We were getting ready to bring him in here to Grandview to our annual communication day. And after I interviewed him, I went back to the to the staff, uh, the folks at the college, and I just said, there's no way I'm going to have that guy in. Because he wanted to distance himself as far as possible from the Andy Griffith show. Now, it's funny to read your newsletter because you talk about all the appearances he makes. And, and of course... He is probably the longest-running single character in the history of television yeah. through Andy Griffith, Mayberry RFD, and Hee Haw. Right. He's played the same character yeah. for about 30 years. George Lindsay. Yeah. But Goober yeah. got on my show, and I, start, I asked him, for instance, what it was like to work with Jack Nicholson, because Jack Nicholson was a guest on the Andy Griffith mm-hmm. show. And there was this pause, and he said, if you were interviewing Jack Nicholson, would you ask him what it's like to work with George Lindsay? And I, I said, heard well, the interview. I was driving between I mean, you and I was sitting. I, I would assume that Jack. I would assume that Jack Nicholson would say George who? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I mean, he he just he was very curt and not not uh, easy to talk with. Very short answers, and he, he acted like he didn't want to talk about Andy Griffith at all. Well, that's funny because uh, usually you, you may have caught him on a, on a moody day there because uh, I mean he because uh, generally speaking he, he's made his peace with Goober. In fact, in his in his autobiography, Goober in a nutshell, he talks about how. For years, he had a lot of torment and struggles about playing the same character and always being known as Goober. And 
George Lindsay kind of losing his identity to Goober. And, uh, but you, he, didn't you help him write the book? Sure did, and, yeah. and, got, and got to know him pretty well. You know, working, of course, I knew him pretty well before that, but, but really got to know what makes him tick, I think. And uh, really, I, I guess he did maybe had a bad day there because he really uh, has a tremendous heart and does a lot. You know, does a lot of good things. But I think sometimes he gets, you know, maybe gets. Uh, Hits his limit of talking about Goober, and you may call yeah. that day when he was overflowing. And but see, this is one of my complaints. Yeah. As I've as I've met different celebrities, most of them know how to handle life pretty well. Where yeah. they they accept the fact, for instance, uh, mm-hmm. Marianne from Gilligan's Island. We had right. her in last year. Yeah. she accepts the fact that everybody thinks she's Marianne, and they're going to mm-hmm. call her Marianne the rest of her life. Yeah. Uh, I've always gotten a sense from Andy Griffith that he's never been willing to accept Mayberry as his home. Uh, he quit the show when the show was number one on the air. It was the number one show on mm-hmm. TV at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has not actively participated in most of the reunions, right? Right. He he uh, usually has uh, particular requirements that he he, uh, that he wants when he does, to do a reunion type thing. He wants to be the one that's in charge of putting it on, and he's he's very protective of the show. So I think he hasn't done a lot of the ones that have been put on by fans and things because he wants to do ones that are, he's not comfortable doing live kind of stage shows. He wants to do under film, you know, in a studio where it can be controlled like the show was, which I, I appreciate that. But he um, has to make some peace with himself, I think. And I think you worked with Don Wells on her, uh, on her Gilligan's Island right. cookbook, and you yeah. can probably sense from her she's totally happy being yeah. Mary, Marianne the rest of her life. Howard <laughs> Morris said one time, and of course he, is an, he was an accomplished comedian before he got to the program as Ernest T. Bass. He was uh, a Sid Caesar functionary and a writer and a director. Mm-hmm. He said that uh, when you look back at the old episodes, the one thing that bothers him, and I, I only answer this mm-hmm. in reference to Andy Griffith, he looked back and he said, oh, if we only would have done it this way, it would have been much funnier. Mm-hmm. But now they are sealed, their fate, I mean, it'll be that way forever. You can't change what has been done. And you get a little nervous looking back saying, if we only would have thought of ourselves a little bit differently, yeah. we would have done it just a little bit differently. And I think that may be Andy's problem. I don't know. He just wants to leave the past behind. That's right. Well, it's something he can't change. Yeah, I, I think again, he he is he is very protective of the show, and uh, is uh, it, it is something for him. It is something he did you know thirty years ago. Yeah. And he has moved on to do the Matlock and other things. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Jim. Jim Clark's the author of Aunt Bee's Delightful Desserts. Thanks so much for Mike Newell being here with all of his little Mayberry trivia. And, of course, Bill Jones. I'm anxious to hear about Monday morning and you and Van and Bonnie. This is Bill Jones on (laughs) W8. There he goes. Bye-bye.